When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Now, I don't usually make claims, but I'll bet that I probably talk more about detritus than anyone in the aquarium hobby. And I'll go out farther on a limb and claim that I probably have more good stuff to say about detritus in the context of our aquariums than just about anyone in the aquarium hobby. I've covered this topic more times than I care to repeat, but let's face it, detritus is an essential and important component of the Botanical Method Aquarium, and it's been maligned and, well, misunderstood over the years. Now, ecologists define detritus as partially decomposed organic matter from plant and animal tissues in addition to microorganisms and minerals. It's a good one. The Aquarium Wiki, which is one of my kind of fun ones I'd like to look at now and again, has a sort of less nuanced definition. Uh, They define it as dead particulate organic matter, typically includes the bodies or fragments of dead organisms as well as fecal material. Detritus is typically colonized by communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize the material. That's a pretty thorough description or definition, isn't it? Note now that nowhere in either definition do you see references to the stuff being, you know, dangerous or detrimental to fishes or aquariums. Now look, Having an excess of just about anything accumulating somewhere in the closed environment of an aquarium has an impact that you'll have to deal with somehow, or at the very least, have an understanding of. I know that uneaten you know, food and fish poop accumulated in a closed system can be problematic if your overall husbandry issues aren't attended to. I know that it can be composed and it could, in theory, overwhelm the biological filtration capacity of the tank if left unchecked. And that can lead to a smelly, dirty-looking system with diminished water quality and all that stuff. I know that. You know that. In fact, pretty much everyone in the hobby knows that. Yet, as a hobby, we've really sort of heaped detritus into this catch-all descriptor, which has an overall bad connotation to it. Like, anything which is allowed to break down in the tank and accumulate is bad. Anything that looks like dirt is, well, dirty, dangerous, and, you know, should be treated accordingly. Now... Dirty looking and dangerous are two very different things, right? Do natural habitats look dangerous to the life forms that reside in them? And some of those look kind of dirty, don't they? Hmm. Now, in botanical method aquariums, if most of what's accumulating in your mechanical filter media and on the substrate and all that is just broken up decomposing bits of botanicals and leaves, I wouldn't have much concern. That's what happens to terrestrial materials in an aquatic environment. It's normal for these types of aquariums. As we've discussed, I don't know, ad infinitum here, uh, various organisms like fungi and, uh, and, and biofilms, etc., work to break down these materials and begin the decomposition process. Now, if it's uneaten food that you're seeing accumulate in excess, then you need to figure out a more accurate feeding approach. Same with fish waste. At the very least, you likely need better circulation and mechanical filtration within your system. And of course, you need to address why it is you have so much uneaten food accumulated in your system. Now, left unchecked, accumulations of uneaten food and fish waste can tax the biological filtration capacity of your aquarium. 
detritus in general, in my opinion, gets a bad rap as the bulk of it is really broken down and, you know, already by the time it accumulates in the aquarium. And there's a valid argument that this material, if allowed to settle in the aquarium, becomes a basis for biofilms and fungal growth, part of the food web in our tanks. Think about this. Organisms which function as decomposers take up substances such as nitrate and phosphate from the surrounding waters while utilizing detrital material to build new biomass. It's important for them and for the ecology of your aquarium. The biomass in detritivores can oxidize dissolved organic compounds in ammonia and convert them into relatively harmless gases and nitrate. Simple as that. And when we, you know, value and accommodate these beneficial microorganisms, we help them make detritus more palatable to detritivores, organisms that actually feed on the stuff. So in an aquarium with, which encourages the growth of bacteria, fungi, you know, copepods, etc., etc., the organic material contained in the detritus becomes part of the food web. Everybody up the food chain can benefit from this stuff. By going full ham and siphoning out every last speck of detritus in your tanks, you're essentially breaking this chain and denying organisms at multiple levels the chance to benefit from it. And you're effectively destroying an established community of microorganisms which serve to maintain high water quality in the closed environment of an aquarium. You know, those anomalous ammonia spikes and stuff like that always have their origin in overzealous cleaning of aquariums and filter media. You know, when somebody replaces the, all the filter media, siphons out the, you know, substrate and does a massive water change, it's always a problem. So taking out all of the fish shit is actually removing a complex microbiome that's keeping your tank healthy. I've seen numerous articles over the year denouncing detritus as a nuisance and saying you need to remove it. But in the same article, acknowledging that it can be useful if you keep plants or if you're raising fry or keeping fishes which graze on the stuff. What is it? <laughs> the bad narrative seems to win out, though. Ask yourself this. If detritus is so bad for fishes, how come the standard beginner's advice for decades has been to inoculate your new aquarium with, you know, filter media or substrate, you know, detritus and all from an established healthy aquarium? I mean, come on. The indictment, of most of, in, you know, in most of the articles that I read on this topic is that it's bad for indeterminate reasons and that you should remove it from your tank because it looks bad. That's not exactly scientifically compelling enough. That's not a scientifically compelling reason to eliminate detritus from your tank altogether, is it? About the best case I've seen to not have excesses of detritus accumulate in a typical aquarium is that they do contain bacteria. And for some fishes which continuously come in contact with it, like bottom-dwelling catfishes, it requires them to mount a bit of an immune response to the bacteria, harmless or not, contained in the detritus, leaving their immune systems, I don't know, taxed or slightly less available to resist legitimate illnesses. Now, perhaps that's a bit of a stretch, but it, it seems to make some sense to me. I can kind of buy that one. Now, that being said, though, I wonder how much of this stuff is really accumulating in a well-managed, underpopulated, and carefully maintained aquarium. Now, sure, in systems with large predatory cichlids and messy eaters, you're likely to see a lot more than you would in a lightly stocked tank with, say, I don't know, Endler's Libraries or Guarmies or whatever. But still, do most of us really overfeed that much? I don't think so. I mean, I hope not. Of course, if you see uneaten food and stuff like that accumulating in your tank, it looks crappy. It's a sign of poor husbandry. With this undefined detritus that you may see, however, do you have phosphate or nitrate issues as a result of accumulating organics from the stuff? Or is some of it or enough of it being utilized by bacteria and other unseen residents of your tank? 
that it's not really a problem from an environmental standpoint. What does the test kit say? Do you have a massive excess algae growth, a depressed oxygen level in the tank, are fishes gasping, something just not right? Or does it just look sloppy? Is this another case of us in the aquarium hobby making a grand pronouncement like it looks shitty, so it's always bad yet again? I think so. I had detritus, menace or benefit, or perhaps something in between. Like biofilms, fungal growth, afwuks, and decomposition over the years, it's something that's inevitable, natural, perhaps even beneficial in our aquariums, right? Or is it something that we should learn to embrace or appreciate? I think so. It's all part of a natural process and, yes, aesthetic that we have to understand to appreciate. The natural habitats of the world seem to have plenty of this stuff. Fellow hobbyists keep asking my thoughts about detritus, and I admit they've evolved over the years. I think so many things in moderation are pretty good, even things that we've historically freaked out about. Yes, hardly a scientific conclusion, but I think valuable from an aquarium management perspective. It's about moderation. It's about going beyond the superficial. Part of it is a mental shift that we have to make. Uh, Again, (laughs) and understanding that in nature, detritus is abundant, common, and a vital part of the health of aquatic ecosystems is really important. So let's just shift our focus to one of the more practical applications for detritus as a food source for fishes. Now, to a certain extent, detritus is part of the diet of almost every fish. If you're into reading and studying gut content analysis of fishes like I am, which is really interesting stuff, you'll see detritus mentioned in virtually every single one. The percentage of the diet that detritus comprises varies from species to species, but it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. And of course, if you observe the behavior of many of your fishes in the aquarium, like kerosins, cyprinids, loricarids, and others, you'll see that in between feedings, they'll spend an awful lot of time picking at stuff on the bottom of the tank. In a botanical method aquarium, this is a pretty common occurrence, and I believe an important benefit of this type of aquarium, as we've talked about before. It's sort of generating or accumulating uh, supplemental food sources for your fishes. And I'm of the opinion that a botanical method aquarium, complete with its decomposing leaves and seed pods and all that stuff, can serve as a sort of buffet for many fishes, even those who primarily feed on things like insects and worms and stuff like that. Well, I may favor little guys, little fishes like kerosins and rasbora in my tanks, but I do have a healthy respect and admiration for some of the more, I don't know, shall we say, hardcore fishes like the so-called earth eaters, you know, the Acariochthes, Biotodoma, Geophagus, Guanacara, Gymnogeophagus, and Satanoperca. Satanoperca. Why do I always say that one wrong? Satanoperca. Whatever. It's an ugly big fish. I'm asked a lot, though, about keeping these big fishes. People ask me all the time about earth eaters and geos and stuff. So I figured it's interesting to talk about. And they ask about it in the context of botanical method aquariums. And it seems to me they'd be pretty good inhabitants, actually. And no discussion on detritus would be truly complete without talking a little bit about these guys. It's a lively and diverse group. And it contains some of the most endearing and, you know, entertaining and interesting cichlids around. And... Again, with so many people wanting to know about how to incorporate botanicals in these setups, I had to chime here, you know, here a little bit. And since they tend to be associated with detritus, yeah, here we go. So, of course, the name geophagus, for example, contains the Greek root words for earth and eat, as if to reinforce the popular collective name, earth eaters. So, in case you haven't figured it out by now, these fishes dig in the sand and substrate to get food, and, oh, they shit, like, a lot. (laughs) But you probably already knew that, and 
I'm not exactly known for my love and devotion to cichlids, I admit it. I'm like the last guy you want to write one of those review of the earth eaters, you know, type articles. So we're going to focus more on the interesting dietary preference of this particular group of fishes and the kind of environment you'd want to create in your aquarium for these badasses, at least from a botanical perspective. Now, first off, let's talk about that diet. These fish ingest just about any decomposing material, leaf litter, botanicals, etc., that they can. They sift through it and through sand and other materials in the substrate to derive their nutrition. And if you go just a bit deeper than what you see in the typical hobby website information and do a little bit more, you'll find more. Like, what do they actually eat in the wild? Well, here's another one of those trusty gut content analyses, which I found in a research paper on a few species of geos. And I'm going to give you rough percentages here. So if someone's going to add it up and say it doesn't add up to 100, I'm not going to read off everything. But here's the most of them. Terrestrial insects were about 6.5%. Trichoptera larvae, 6.5%. Chironomids, which are bloodworms, uh, 2.33%. Coleoptera larvae, another insect. They were about uh, 2 point, or excuse me, 3.83%. Adults of the same species, 3.83%. Ostracods, 1.3%. And here's the big one. Vegetation and detritus. 77%. 77% of the geophagus diet is detritus. That's a lot of detritus. Detritus is an extremely available food source. It's not subject to seasonal and regional shortages and other factors. It's everywhere, pretty much all the time. Because of its composition, detritus is something which has been available as a food resource for fishes for untold millennia. Water chemistry and seasonal ability will at least impact the composition of the detritus at any given time, but that's about it. Detritus is a really good food source because it's so abundant. Detritivores in general are responsible for the fragmentation of plant and animal debris and conduct what ecologists call inoculation of the rejected material with microorganisms that complete the decomposition process. And of course, that makes nutrients from detritus available for plant uptake within the ecosystem. See how this is all sort of coming together? Now, detritivorous fishes have a physiological adaptations in their digestive process to extract large amounts of nutrients from detritus, since it provides less energy and protein than other types of food. The digestive tract of detritivorous fishes is characterized by a small muscular stomach and an extremely long intestine to facilitate a high rate of absorption and assimilation of the nutrients by the fish. Makes sense. Now, according to ichthyologists, this characteristic long intestine can vary from 3 to 10 times the body size among these types of fishes. That's pretty intense, right? That's a big, big gut, if you ask me. (laughs) Now, the elongated intestine is curled and folded extensively to fit inside the body cavity, which results in a long intestinal contact and passage time. And this effectively keeps the ingested detritus in contact with digestive enzymes for an extended period of time, ensuring the maximum possible extraction of nutrients by the fish. Isn't nature cool? That's like an awesome, awesome thing. Now, in wild habitats, in the aquatic habitats, that is, detritus is comprised of many things. However, in places like the Amazon basin, it's been determined through isotopic gut content analysis that a high percentage of the detritus consumed by fishes is composed of plant materials, leaves, seeds, and wood, as well as components of terrestrial grasses like paspalum, which is very, very abundant in that region, as we've talked about before. Now, geophagus are known uh, to scientists as bentho 
pagas, meaning they derive most of their nutrition by ingesting large amounts of substrate and sediment and sift for food organisms and detritus, expelling the undigestible stuff through their mouth and gills. Hence the popular name, earth eaters. Beating the shit out of this definition, aren't we? Now, while these fishes do ingest detrital material, which isn't particularly huge in nutritive value, they do so mainly to consume and assimilate the associated microbial growth in the detritus. Now, let's be perfectly upfront. These are large, messy fishes. And if you're thinking that you can create this beautiful, elaborate aquascape for them and that they would leave it nicely intact, you're just in the realm of fantasy. They'll spend large parts of their day digging and sifting and upending whatever's in their way and pretty much burying your carefully crafted aquascape. You need to accept a different sort of aesthetic, one that the fishes will create, whether you like it or not. One that'll have substrate continuously moved about and whatever materials contained within the substrate is either put into suspension in the water column or collecting on the surface of the substrate. Good circulation and filtration are essential unless you don't want to be able to see your fish. It means oversized filtration, likely canisters or if you're really into cool gear like I would be, uh, even you know those newer automatic filter roll systems in a sump. This to me would be the best way to filter a system containing a population of these big guys in my opinion. I wouldn't even attempt to keep these fishes without radically over-filtering their aquarium. It'll just keep you from going crazy, in my opinion. Now, that being said, if properly filtered, you could and should include botanical materials and leaf litter and stuff in your aquariums. What? All the experts say no way? Well, have the experts actually kept their tanks with these fishes with an automatic filter roll and leaf litter and botanicals? Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Probably not. You can do it. Besides, these fishes will absolutely ingest large amounts of large amounts of you know leaf litter and other botanical materials to derive some of their nutrition, as we've discussed above. This is what they do in the wild. It's what they've evolved to do. They're anatomically geared to it. We just need to manage our expectations and consider how an aquarium designed to accommodate these voracious detritivores looks and should be run for long-term success. As you know by now, many botanical materials have significant amounts of lignin and cellulose, which are thought by scientists to be necessary for the health of these fishes. Pretty interesting. So, yeah, why not try to keep geos in a botanical method aquarium? Damn, I can't believe I just devoted a respectable amount of time to discussing geos or cichlids in general in the tent. As you know, I'm not a cichlid expert. <sighs> well, it's fun to research this stuff anyway. However, and it was in relationship to my main argument about the usefulness of detritus in our aquariums. The bottom line, pun intended, I guess, is that I don't see detritus as a nutrient trap in our aquarium. Rather, it's a place for fishes to forage in and among. A place for larval fishes to seek refuge and sustenance in, kind of like they do in nature and have done so for eons. Yes, we're talking about a closed ecosystem here, which doesn't have all the millions and minute inputs and exports and nuances that nature does. But uh, or a natural open system does, I should say. It is a part of, part of nature. But structurally and functionally, we have some of them at the highest levels, like water going in and coming out, food sources being added, stuff being exported, etc., etc. I think we really need to think about our systems, particularly in the botanical method aquarium world, as little microcosms, which replicate, at least on some level, some of the processes which occur in nature to create specialized but highly productive and successful, not to mention dynamic ecologies within the aquarium. There's so much more to this stuff than buying in unflinchingly to generalized statements like detritus is bad. It's a mental shift, one that we should all consider making. That's it for today's discussion on detritus. I'm sure we'll cover this again in the future. In the meantime, stay thoughtful, stay curious, stay open-minded, stay adventurous, and always stay wet. This is Scott Feldman from Tent and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tent.